0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Stamford, Connecticut, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Stamford, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Stamford. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. All right. Good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and we have a very short class today, although I have a typo in the title thing here, add a little space there, so we got a very short class today. So uh, prior to this class, we've covered a very wide range of the all the different financing options for real estate investors. We've done a class on nothing down, financing options, we've done a separate class on low down payment financing options we've done a separate class on um all the conventional financing stuff we've done a separate class on portfolio financing we've done some classes on creative financing today we are going to cover a very short overview a 101 introductory kind of like perspective on commercial loans so all the financing we've covered so far has primarily been for buying properties single family homes condos townhomes Duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. Today, we're going to really focus in on commercial properties, which are the loans you would typically use in order to buy five units or more. And that is really not my area of expertise. It's not my specialty. It's not something that we typically cover. So this is really going to be an overview so that if you're like brand new to real estate investing and you're wanting to know like what the different loan options are and how they all work, you know to go to do commercial financing once you get above five units. Okay, so if you want to go buy like single family homes or duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, condos, townhomes, uh, single detached single family homes, all that stuff—it's all the stuff we previously covered. And I'm going to do a really quick review of all the different financing options that are available. And then we've got like one slide on the commercial properties, and we'll talk about how they differ. And then you can go seek out a lender who's going to do the commercial properties. One of the reasons why I'm not going to go into ridiculous detail about commercial properties and commercial financing specifically is it varies a lot. And so you can go to one local bank who does commercial loans and they're going to tell you very different kind of criteria for getting a loan than another one. And so you really do need to call up and find out what's going on there. So let's jump right into the other financing options to give you an overview of where we are. And then we'll go cover the commercial stuff. And I expect this class to be very short. Okay, so when we talked before about the Loans that people typically get, I forget what the exact numbers are. We covered this yesterday in the class on portfolio financing, but I believe it was over 60% of all the financing options used is going to be conventional financing. Then we have FHA as a very distant second. Then we have VA loans, USDA loans, portfolio loans, all those other ones that make up the rest. And that was even a relatively small percentage. I think VA was like, I don't know, 10% or so. So, Like And then the other ones are even smaller than that. So all of these different options that we've got kind of laid out here are all relatively small compared to the conventional FHA, VA kind of group of different loan things. And then that's really what we've covered in those previous classes. So just a quick overview of some of the financing stuff. Go see the other class if you want detail. But conventional financing is typically used, single family homes, if you want to use the low down options. And that's usually for like people that are doing house hacking or doing the nomad strategy, and that's usually 3% down for your first one, if you want to do like the home ready or home possible loan, and then 5% down if you're going to do more than one. So if you're going to do the nomad strategy where you're buying a property, moving in there as an owner occupant, living there for a year, or until you save up your next down payment, it's a minimum of a year, and then converting the previous one to a rental, buying your next one again with 5% down, it's a way that you could buy, you know, four properties instead of one, if you had 20% down. So instead of putting 20% down and buying one investment property, if you're willing to move into the property and live there for a year, you can now buy four. And four will get you a long ways toward becoming financially independent if you're thinking about like your asset base and your size of that. Okay, so single family home options for that. 3% down on the low end. Usually 5% down that we're seeing that. If you want to do non-owner occupant, if you want to do traditional investment properties when you're buying these properties um, and not moving into them, they start with 15% down with private mortgage insurance. You're going to pay a premium for that, and you're going to pay that private mortgage insurance, which is insurance you're paying to protect the lender in case you default. In theory, they want you to put 20% down. You say, hey, look, I don't really want to put 20% down. They say, okay, I'm willing to still make you the loan. However, I want you to pay this third-party company to protect me in case you default on the loan and I need to foreclose and I can't get all of my money back. And you say, okay, I'm willing to pay this third-party private mortgage insurance company, a premium that's insurance to protect you in case I default. That's what PMI is. It's usually required if you put less than 20% down. And if you put 20% down, you do not have PMI. So you want to get a conventional loan for a non-owner-occupant investment property, you can get those with 20% down without any PMI, or you can put 15% down. You're going to pay a small premium on the interest rate, and you're going to pay PMI um, on those things. You could typically use that up to 10 finance properties per Social Security number slash tax return. Um, And and this is when you're buying non-owner-occupant properties. If you're buying owner-occupant properties, there is no limit to how many conventional financing loans you can get. So it's one of the sort of carve-outs that if you want to get these great 30-year fixed-rate financing loans on properties that become ultimately investment properties, then doing a strategy like house hacking or Nomad, where you're buying a property as an owner-occupant Moving in and then at some point in the future, either immediately getting roommates or at some point in the future, converting that to a rental after you've lived there for a year, and you fulfill the obligations that the lender requires, because you'll sign a piece of paper at closing that says, for an owner-occupant loan, you're going to move into the property and live there for a year. So if you fulfill those obligations then you can convert it to a rental. So if you're doing that strategy, you can do more than 10 conventional loans because you're moving in as an owner-occupant. If you're doing these and you're buying investment properties and you're not moving in, you will be limited to 10 as of right now, and this can change over time, but 10 conventional loan spots that you could use up to do that. And it's not just 10 conventional loan spots. It's 10 loan spots on your social security number. So FHA loans would count, VA loans would count, USDA loans would count, even portfolio loans would count when you're doing those types of strategies um, when you're trying to get your like loan spots used up. So realize that there is a limitation there when you're doing it, which is why we covered portfolio financing in the previous class. Portfolio financing is typically the financing you move to once you've used up all your loan spots. There's a couple other exceptions. Go watch the portfolio financing class for more information on that. However, that's typically what you move to when you get to your 10 loan spots. Okay, so that's all the conventional stuff. FHA, it's as low as three and a half percent down. Again, this is primarily for house hackers and nomads who are going to be moving into the property. It can be used for single family homes plus duplexes, triplexes, or fourplexes. So anything under that five units, you can use the FHA financing for. The two loan, spot, the two loan types that we typically use if we're buying these kind of like duplex, triplex, and fourplex properties are FHA and VA traditionally. Okay, you can do them with the other ones, but the low down options are FHA and VA for those. So down payment assistance is sometimes used with FHA, um, and that's for house hackers and nomads. It's probably not going to be for non-owner-occupant investors. VA loans, it requires VA eligibility, so thank you for your service if you've done that. It is a nothing-down loan program, and again, that could be used for single-family homes as well as duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. The USDA loan is the other nothing down loan program, and that requires rural property. So you're not going to be able to use this loan in a big city. These are for like things on the outskirts of town in more rural areas. Use the USDA eligibility map in order to find out if the property you're considering is eligible for that nothing down financing. Just go and search out USDA eligibility map and type in the address of the property. It will tell you if it is eligible based on that. Again, these are nothing down, and they can be used for those single-family homes, not duplexes, triplexes, or fourplexes. And then portfolio loans; these are typically local banks that are not going to be selling their loans to the third market, like the um, secondary market. Rather, Uh, they're going to be keeping the loans on their books in their own portfolio. It is usually the next stop when you exceed your loan limits with conventional financing. There are other couple exceptions, like if you're going to go do a loan with. uh, your self-directed IRA or self-directed 401k being used as a financing. Or if you're going to go buy an LLC at the start, you're going to do a partnership and you're bringing a partner, one or more partners in, you want to buy in the LLC to begin with, you can use portfolio financing to do those as well. Then you've got the whole creative financing family, owner financing, wrap financing, subject to, Loan assumption, the lease option, lease purchase, rent to own, lease to own kind of family of things, all the agreement for deed, contract for deed, um, bond for deed, um, installment land contract, like all of those different options as well. That's all the creative financing stuff. And in those cases, you'll probably very likely be able to negotiate a low down payment option, if not a nothing down payment option, although there are some deals that would require some money down when you're doing those. Private money, going to grandma, asking her if she'd be willing to do a loan. Um, the, The negotiation is wide open on those because it's usually based on your relationship with somebody and the quality of deal can help, but it's primarily your relationship with grandma that determines whether or not that is going to be a good loan for you. And then finally, hard money loans, those are people that are in the business of loaning money on real estate, very likely to be able to negotiate a low down payment, or in some cases, a nothing down loan option in those, it's usually based on the quality of the deal, you know, a lot of times you'll hear 70% of the after repaired value is the maximum that the loan based on those. Uh, It is generally commercial properties only so with hard money loans you're probably not going to be able to use those as a nomad or house hacker it's usually only for commercial loans that's usually because the hard money lenders don't want to deal with the consumer loan lending laws. Okay, so that is an overview of all the different things and you'll notice that these are mostly dealing with single family homes, condos townhomes. Duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes in some cases, but it usually doesn't deal with five units or more. Although you could argue that the private money and hard money and creative financing ones, those could also be used with some of these commercial properties. However, commercial properties are typically five plus units and some banks may do some kind of more unusual things like do commercial loans across multiple, one you know, single family homes, condos, townhomes, duplex, triplex, fourplexes. Well, they'll do like a blanket loan over those Um, Some of the other interesting things about commercial loans is they typically don't count as part of your 10 finance properties for conventional. So it usually is not one of your loan spots if you're thinking about that way. Another interesting thing about commercial properties, a lot of times when you're doing these other loans, they're going to require that you buy them as an individual and personally sign a personally guaranteed loan. So you'll go buy a property and you'll do conventional financing. They're going to have you personally sign and you're not going to be able to buy an LLC. Not going to get into this discussion here, but sometimes people will buy the property and then as soon as they own the property, they will go meet with an attorney, get proper legal advice on how to do this, and then they will deed their property into the name of an LLC. There are some weird things that happen with that as far as like your ability to do that without the... uh the, the lender being able to call the loan due, not that they will, but they are able to call the loan due. But you'll want to get advice from an attorney on that. It's a, uh, it's a gray area to thing, to say the least. However, when you're getting a commercial loan, you can usually use the LLC directly to borrow. In most cases, the lender is still going to require you to sign or someone else to sign personally on the loan, to personally guarantee it. And if they are going to lose money on the deal, if they have to foreclose or something like that, they will go after you personally to do that. So there is recourse on you as the individual borrower. So these loan programs, and one of the reasons why we're not going into a lot of detail, these loan programs vary and they constantly change. It's sort of like the, the way I think about it is, all of the traditional consumer-based loans have very strict standards and very rigid rules in place to protect the consumer. However, commercial financing is sort of the wild, wild west. All the rules and everything can vary. They're kind of like setting up what they can do there. And so realize that if you're going to go do commercial financing, just go in eyes wide open and realize that the programs are not standardized and that you'll likely have that. I would also point out that most of these loan programs, this is some exceptions in here, but most of these loan programs, one of the advantage of getting these is that they are 30-year fixed rate financing. However, when you go to commercial loans, a lot of times there are exceptions where you can get fixed rate financing. It's it's kind of difficult to do, and they're they're not they're harder to get and more cumbersome to apply for. Um, but most of the commercial loans you're going to run into are going to have some type of adjustable rate mortgage, and usually have some type of balloon payment, where they may have a. 20 year amortization where you're you're paying off, you're making payments on the loan as if you were going to pay off the entire thing in 20 years. However, you usually have like a five year balloon or seven year balloon or a 10 year balloon or or five years with the right to renew one more time with an adjustment to the interest rate for another five years. So all these kind of like things vary. So even though it has a, a kind of payment period over 20 years, realize that you may have to pay off the entire loan or refinance it within five years or seven years or 10 years. Again, these programs vary and they're all over the place. The relationship with the bank, especially how much you have on deposit can help out a lot as to whether or not you can get these, especially with local banks. Uh, The underwriting depends on the guarantor, the person who is signing and guaranteeing the loan and the property itself. And then there are other requirements such as providing financials to the bank each year. If you go get a conventional loan or an FHA loan or a VA loan and you qualify for that loan, once you qualify, that's it. The bank does not come back three years later to check to see if you've actually still qualified to have that loan. Once you qualify, you're in and you're golden. That is not the case with commercial properties. With commercial properties, they will want you to provide financials to the bank every X period of time. I've seen mostly years. So every year they want you to come up with updated financials and they want to make sure that you still qualify and can still um, get that loan. And if not, they may actually start foreclosure process. Okay, there is a uh, relatively famous, I'm not gonna mention it by name, author of uh, real estate investing books, and investor who tells the story of the bank calling their loan due during the downturn. They just said, hey, your financials look weak because all these property values are kind of compressing. And uh, you know we feel a little bit nervous about stuff. So we actually are gonna go call the loan due. You have X number of days in order to pay this complete thing off. And that happened during the downturn. If you're not prepared for that, that could be a problem. So realize commercial properties are very, very different. All right, so that's it. That's the 101 version of commercial financing. So if you're looking to buy single family homes, condos, townhomes, duplex, triplex, fourplexes, you can use the traditional financing we've covered in previous classes. However, if you're looking to buy these commercial properties, five units or more, or any type of industrial properties, then you're going to probably want to look at commercial financing. You're going to want to seek out a commercial financing lender. Go talk to either local banks or find a commercial loan broker who can help you shop out and price out different options there. Um, there's more variety and underwriting criteria for commercial properties from lender to lender. It's not standardized. So realize that there is a lot more room for negotiation if you're strong and you're kind of coming and buying. And there's a lot of flexibility and variability in what you what you can get and what is available for you. And a lot of it depends on the property and a lot of it depends on the guarantor. That's all I've got. Any final questions on commercial financing before I end this very short session? We're going to go once. We're going to go twice. Anything? All right. Well, that's all I got there for you. Thanks everybody for coming on. Oh, wait. Okay, no questions. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Good to see you. I haven't seen you on in a while.
1: All right, guys. That's
0: all I got for you. Thank you very much. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates, cash flow on rental properties in Stanford is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow. See the show notes to schedule a call to discuss collaboration opportunities.